1: All right, folks. Welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we have episode 233. Tonight, we're going to answer a great listener question we got recently about Weber Grills, a company that just recently went IPO. I am a big fan of the product. I've used it for years. I have one on my grill right now as we speak. And I actually used it yesterday, Cook some mahi mahi. So yeah, there we go. So, all right. So we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the company and some of the things that we noticed. So after listening to your latest episode about value traps, it made me question a recent investment into Weber Grills. The company just recently went public and it's so it seemed as the drop was due to the current economy. But after looking at the debt to equity, I am seeking advice from you and your experience. Thank you. Sincerely, Ben. So, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about Weber Grill and their debt situation. We can kind of help answer this for a bit.
0: Yeah, I would love to. First, maybe, why do we care about debt? Why do we care about debt? Yeah.
1: I think as you have talked about many times and wrote a great book about, debt is one of the things that can lead to a company going bankrupt. It's probably the number one reason why companies go bankrupt is when they have too much debt. And so that's something that we always want to kind of look at when
0: we're trying to invest. Would that be a good summarization of it? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. So we want to look at debt because we don't want to buy a stock that goes to zero. A second reason kind of just pops into my head. When you have a lot of debt, you don't have a lot of money to do anything else with because you got to pay back the debt. And you also have to pay interest on debt, just like when you get into credit cards. So companies can run into problems there too. It could hurt their cash situation, their free cash flow situation. So if you want to follow along at home, you can think of debt, particularly the debt to equity that Ben was referring to in this question. Think about equity just like you would think about home equity. If you own a home, it would be the value of your home minus how much you owe. The rest is your equity. Same thing with companies. They have assets, they have liabilities, they have equity. And so we can use debt to equity as a shortcut tool, not the only tool, but a shortcut tool to compare and give us like a scale, almost like just some context, some apples to apples context. Is this a lot of debt or not really? So unfortunately, this is maybe a really bad company example to use for debt to equity because their equity is negative. And The reason that their equity is negative is because they are Weber Grill. (laughs) There's this really dumb accounting rule that if you create a brand yourself, you don't get to include that brand as an asset and it doesn't count for equity. I know it's like really confusing. So like Home Depot, Nike, Disney, those are big brands. Even Apple, those are all huge brands that, that have a ton of value, but they get counted for zero on the balance sheet. So you can't really use debt to equity for a company like Weber, but there's other things that you can look at. I think you can still look at the debt itself. And so again, if you're following along at home, you can use a website like quickfs.net. You type in the ticker at the top, you can Click down to the balance sheet, and yeah, there's like 20 line items. That's kind of annoying, <laughs> maybe <laughs> overwhelming if you're first starting out. But near the bottom, there's long term debt, and you can look and see how it's progressing every year. And so in this case, it goes from 576 to 900, almost doubles. So that's where you say, if I'm looking at a company like this and I see that the debt has doubled. Maybe it's time to go debt investigator and figure out why that's the case versus maybe a company like Apple where the debt hasn't really changed much. So I don't necessarily need to put on, maybe that's not a good example. Personally, I'm always looking at (laughs) every aspect of the debt and everything, very risk averse. But as a general investor, maybe that's like a red flag, something that should jump out at you that, hey, the debt has changed. Maybe I better look deeper.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think before we dive too deeper into the debt and put our Sherlock Holmes hat on to talk about debt, another, I guess, quick, easy way to assess the debt situation of a company is to kind of refer back to what I was talking about with Goodyear Tire a few episodes back. If you look at the overall debt of what Weber Grill owes versus the market cap of the company, the closer it gets to the overall market cap of the company, that's not a good sign. And in this circumstance, like it was with Goodyear Tire with Weber Grill, they have about 1.3 billion in debt and the company is worth around 2 billion overall. And so, you know, there's a little bitty slides, So basically what that tells us is that if you sold all the shares of Weber Grill today, and took all that 2 billion you would pay off the 1.3 billion and have about 700 billion left over for everything else. That's not a lot. And that's not a good situation to be in. It doesn't mean that the company can't move past that at some point, but if you're fishing in the pond or the lake and looking for good investments and you come across a company like Weber Grill and you see something like that, that's a, I guess, a red check in the mark of something like, you know, unless you see other things that are going to offset that that make you go, okay, hey, they can move past this, then it's you know, up to you whether you want to decide to do that. For me, it'd be a pass. But if you see something like that, that certainly should give you pause. And like for example, if we were looking at Microsoft at $1.8 trillion in market cap and they had $1.3 trillion in debt, that would be a very, very bad thing. Probably for the rest of the world, too, if that company had that much debt. But these are just some, I guess, good screening ideas that you can use when you're kind of looking at an overview of whether you want to dive deeper into the company. So now that we've kind of talked about debt equity and maybe kind of a market cap versus equity, let's talk about maybe some of the things that you found with your Sherlock Holmes about the (laughs) goings-ons of the debt with Weber Grill.
0: Yeah, I like that. (laughs) So I did find, so this is interesting. Like I said, the debt doubled. They added somewhere around 500 million from 2020 to 2021. So I guess the next logical thing to ask is, where did the money go? We can move from the balance sheet to the cash flow statement. I promise there's only three major statements, so we just hit <laughs> two of them. So good job. You are on your way. We can look at the cash flow statement and see, was there a big cash outlay somewhere? I see that they paid a lot of dividends and they made an acquisition or two. So the dividends is weird, because they have a weird corporate structure due to their IPO, so again, this makes this example like kind of intertangled, But you want to look at the usage of that debt and think, you know, did it make sense for the business or not? Does that make sense? Am I missing something there? No, no. That's Should I talk definitely. about the dividends? Because the dividends are kind of scary. So it was. Three hundred and sixteen million is what QuickFS was showing for dividends. Yeah. They have a very interesting corporate structure, I will say that. So they're a holding company. I don't know how familiar beginner investors are with Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Basically, what Warren Buffett does in his company, they don't really do anything inside the business. What they do is they buy other businesses. And now they he has this big collection of businesses, and that is the business. So he's got Geico, he's got General Re, he's got Berkshire Energy, the BNSF, the railroad. He's got, I don't know, 50, 60 businesses
1: tied up underneath that umbrella.
0: Yeah. So he's not personally going out. Nobody in this company is going out and selling products. They are owning the businesses that sell them, owning them outright, and then also owning shares like Coca-Cola and Apple and Bank of America. So for Weber Grill, it's interesting because they are also a holding company, but they only hold the shares of one company and that's Weber, but they only hold 25% of the shares. And so basically the way they describe is the dividends they get from Weber, they pay to their shareholders, but then they paid three hundred and close to 320 million in dividends last year. So it's just one of those things where you have to look really hard. Almost like almost too hard, you know, because it's a very unique, very weird corporate structure. They're not, they don't even own the entire Weber business. And if you look at their, if you go deeper into like how the ownership of this company works, somebody else is a majority owner of this company too. So it's like you're the minority owner of a minority owner of the (laughs) Weber brand. It's very interesting. And it's definitely not my cup of tea. So maybe just, no good lessons on like, do we know if they did good with the cash? I can't really answer that. But maybe it's an example of like, when I'm looking at companies and I'm trying to turn over rocks, I'm, I'm basically trying to uncover what's the story of this company. And you just, that path can be different every single time. And you don't know, like the way I, I learn about a company is different. Every, and this would be one example of like, you just kind of follow the trail and, and see where it leads you. So You looked at the debt, (laughs) the debt looks weird. And then it's like, well, what's the next question? Well, what are they doing with the debt? And then you look deeper there. So when you investigate this company, they have an annual report that's like 120 pages. You don't have to read that thing like a book. You almost want to think, work smart, not hard. Mm -hmm. And as you gain experience, you can start to do those things. And that's how I would approach a company. And that's kind of how you pick out value traps too, and they start... Checking those red marks like you were saying, Dave. Mm -hmm. Well, this is strike two. As a finance nerd, you would assume
1: that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't. Until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/slash beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for Myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial.
0: I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think when you think about analyzing companies, Andrew brought up a great point is when you look at reading through the 10K or the 10Qs or any documentation that's involved with a company, you want to ask yourself questions while you're going through looking at these information. And so the question about what do they do with the debt? Why is that important? That's important because When companies are trying to grow, because all the companies are trying to grow, they're gonna use the capital that they have available to them to grow. Ideally, that's the whole goal of this is to grow. And the whole way to grow is through the capital resources they have. Sometimes it's internal, so it's the cash flows that the company generates, the money, the cash that they generate, they can use to reinvest in the business to grow. Or they can raise debt like we were just talking about. You know, the company raised almost $500 million in debt. The next question you want to ask yourself, where did that go? What did they do with that? And then the other idea is equity. You know, they can sell shares of the company, whether they are an IPO like they did recently or whether they want to go out and sell them in the open market to raise money to invest in projects so the business can grow. And every company has to do that. Even Apple, as great as they are, they still have to reinvest in their business to grow, to come out with those new iPhones, that they come out with every year, or the Apple watches or all the great products that they produce, they upgrade them all the time. And when they do that, they're they're spending their capital to make those products better to sell to us. So we want to go out and spend $900 on an iPhone. And so my point with all this is, is that you have to ask questions. Why is this? Why is this? And sometimes you don't have to dig that deep to come to an answer quickly and go, eh, no. Warren Buffett always talks about, so is Charlie, that their two-hard pile is really, really tall, and their, I understand, this pile is much, much shorter. And sometimes when you're looking at a company, let's say we're looking at Weber Grill, if I came across some of the ideas that we came across earlier with the debt, some of the equity things that we're going to look at, the free cash flow, some of the things Andrew was talking about, those ideas are things that would lead me to go, Eh, you know, the whole ownership stake of the company, the minority, the minority, the minority owner, that just becomes, for me, it's too too convoluted. I don't understand it. You know, not that my puny one vote is really going to make, you know, any sort of great, you know, difference in what the company decides to do, but it's just the whole idea of I don't under really understand who's owning it and who's driving the bus. And if I don't know who's driving the bus, why am I going to invest in it? So it would go, for me, it would go into too hard pile. And if I'm looking at something like Microsoft, for example, I understand the ownership structure. I know who's driving the bus. And it's somebody that has proven to me with their capital allocation skills that they're going to put that money to good use and for the business, which is good for me as an investor. And so those are all questions. And I would ask, are the people driving the bus, the CEO or the management team, are they doing the right thing for the business and for me? And if I don't understand what it is they're doing, then either it goes in a too hard pile or I don't don't trust them and I'm going to move on kind of thing. And I'm not trying to be super bearish about Weber because, again, I love the product. But when I look at the financials of the company, it's like, you know, nobody can see my face, but it's the bitter beer face. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> like you just um, burned your steak.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just burned my steak on my Weber grill. I mean, good grief. So anyway, my point with all this is, is that these are all questions you want to ask yourself when you're analyzing a business and they don't have to be hard questions and they can be fairly easy things to figure out quickly. You know, do I understand the business? Do I understand the structure of the business? Like who's making the choices and the decisions? What does the debt look like? What does the debt load look like? You know, all those things are things that you can go into. So now that we've kind of talked about all that, let's talk about Cash flow. So, Andrew touched on the cash flow statement, and I want to talk a little bit about the cash flow statement and kind of what in the cash flow statement was kind of a, another red flag, if you will. So, do you want to kind of broach that subject and we can chat about that a little bit?
0: What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Sure. So, Dave and I both. Identified this as something we really don't like to see too much in general with companies. It needs to be done responsibly. And I understand that younger companies do this a lot more than mature companies. We're talking about stock based compensation. And to understand that, that's a lot of words. If you (laughs) want to learn what it means, just think about let's say we wanted to hire you for our startup, but instead of paying you a salary, We said here you can have part of our company. And then we hired another person. We said the same thing. You can have part of our company. And we did this with like all of our employees, right? So on the from the company standpoint, the company didn't pay anything, but from me and Dave's standpoint, owners of the startup, we're getting less and less of a slice of the business because we keep giving away more and more and more of it. And this is exactly what stock-based compensation is. And it happens with lots of companies. And you'll see it especially happen egregiously with uh, young growing companies and sometimes it works out great you have a get a team of crazy talented developers and come up with you get the next facebook or netflix right but not every business model needs to go out and find all these super highly talented tech guys you know There could be more boring business models with boring consumer products that don't have much innovation. And then in in that case, why are you giving out so many parts of your company? So when you're a shareholder and the company is basically giving out pieces of itself to employees, that's a problem for you because your slice of the company is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So even though it doesn't show up in the company's cash, they didn't have to spend the cash you're losing because your slice is getting smaller. And when we look at their cash flow statement, the amount of cash that they're generating from the business versus how much of that cash that should have been taken out as salary, but it was instead divvied out and made the slices smaller when it's really big. And as it is in this case, that's not sustainable. And I don't like it.
1: If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, this is a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution where she talks about her simple, easy 1-2-3 system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> no, I, I don't like it either. And to kind of back up for just a second, so if people are a little bit lost on what we're talking about, when you think about the cash flow statement, I think the easiest way to think of it is it's the checkbook of the company. It's the actual place where you see the money, the cash, of the business generates going in and out to operate the business, to pay for the bills, the salaries, the inventories, the R&D, the property, the debt, the dividends, you know, all the stuff, the share buyback, everything is all in the cash flow statement. And when we're talking about cash flow, it really stems from the income statement. The bottom line of the income statement or the net income is really an accounting term. And it's from the P and L of the company, the business of the term, but the cash flow statement is really where the money goes in and out of the business. And so stock based compensation, if that makes up a huge portion or a greater portion of the cash that the company generates from its operations, that's not a good sign because really what it's, what it's telling you is that the business before It gets to the cash flow statement is unprofitable based on the costs and the operations of the business, including the debt that we're talking about earlier, because that is that impacts the income statement in the interest that the business has to pay on that debt. That reduces the amount of cash flow that the business has to pay its bills. And so stock-based compensation, like Andrew was saying, is... It's money that they're not spending now, but they're going to spend it at some point. And one of the problems with stock-based compensation, especially with younger tech companies, it's interesting that a company like Weber Grill has this issue. When I was looking at Block a few minutes ago, and probably 95% of their cash flow is stock-based compensation, which I guess is not surprising But it's also very offsetting because they have negative earnings. And so the money that they're generating is really coming. It's kind of a double whammy for an investor because it's not really cash that the company is spending, but it's also diluting the shares that we own at the same time. Because without getting into the whole nitty gritty of stock based compensation, The basic gist of it is it's money that they haven't spent, but they will, because the employees at some point will exercise those shares to get cash, to do whatever it is, you know, whether it's they want to buy a house, buy a car, you know, pay off their mortgage, any of those kinds of things, which you cannot fault them for. But as an investor, when we see that those are really high levels, that's money that's going to come out of the business at some point. It may be in one year, it may be in five years, but when it does, that also impacts the operations of the business. It's also going to impact our ownership level of the business. So instead of the pizza being eight slices, now it becomes 20 and we only own, you know, less than half of it now. And so that's, you know, who wants that? You know, you spent your hard-earned money investing in a company and now all of a sudden the employees are exercising their shares and we have less ownership of the business. And so it's not always a great situation. And so the, when I see something like that, for me, it's another red check. It's like, eh, no pass, moving on. Because I don't want to invest in a company like that because they're diluting my ownership of the business by delaying when they pay their employees. And I think that's one of the ways that I think about it. I'm curious if you have any additional thoughts you want to
0: bash me on no no all. I think that was that was actually a really great way to describe it i hadn't heard it taught that way but it is very very true you are just delaying that liability mm-hmm. and so we have the cash in the bank now but not really it's actually earmarked for something else right yeah exactly yeah,
1: yeah you're kind of robbing peter to pay paul kind of thing so you know weber grill has 146 million dollars in their checking account that they're going to use to by inventory, but someday they're going to have to pay that back. And if they don't have the cash to generate it later, that could cause a ripple effect for the business. So, you know, it's just not a game you want to play. So, if you see elevated numbers compared to the cash from operations, which is the next few lines down on the cash flow statement, that should be a red flag for you. So, that was a red flag for me.
0: I'll give an average. So, if there's any people who still listen to our show who are like, Advance to that level where they're looking at stock-based compensation. Mm-hmm. Most of the companies in the S&P 500, what I found, stock-based compensation makes up about 4% of their cash from operations. So for Weber, it's actually more than 100% because they, they don't generate that much cash from operations. But mm-hmm. just to give you a ballpark, yeah, if a company starts having like 20%, 25%, I really start to get concerned. Mm-hmm. Not to say that stock-based compensation is bad. It's just mm-hmm. like Dave was saying: when you use it way too aggressively, you're going to have to pay it eventually. Yeah, I, to kind of put
1: that in perspective, you know, the the four percent and the twenty percent. I was looking at, at Block just a few minutes ago, and theirs the last two years have ranged between eighty-five to seventy-five percent of the cash from operations. So it's crazy, yeah, wow. really, 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 high. really, high, so that's a lot of money that they're going to owe people at some point it's It's sitting on their books and they're going to use it to pay for other things, but they're going to come due sooner or later.
0: Yeah, buyer, beware. what's the other terms semper uh semper tyrannus no
1: that's no. <laughs> that's <a> wrong one <laughs>
0: <laughs> but hopefully that helps, Ben. These are just like a tasting of some of the things that we would look at. It certainly doesn't encompass everything, but it, I think looking at the debt's definitely a great place to start.
1: It definitely is. That's like Andrew has said many times, that is the the leading cause for bankruptcies in companies. And starting there is a great starting point. And and again, you know, kind of go back to our buddies, Uncle Charlie and Uncle Warren. I think they probably spend more time looking for reasons to say no to invest in companies than yes. And that may sound like a negative way, but when you're thinking about putting all your hard earned capital into a company, you want to know that you're putting it in the right place. And I think by looking for no's as opposed to looking for, it's easier to look for yeses, it's harder to look for no's. And if you look for no's and kind of start from there, and if you can pass these tests that we're talking about, that's going to lead you to a stronger investment in the long run. All right. Well, I guess with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for this evening. I wanted to thank Ben for sending us such a great question. Thank you very much. That was a lot of fun to talk about. And hopefully we helped answer your question and gave you guys some good things to think about as you kind of go along in your investing journey. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week.
0: We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day.